It's good to see everybody today, and um, again, I want to commend you for actually listening to your phone and not the clock that you forgot to reset. Um, for those of you I don't know uh, yet, my name is Rollin. I'm the lead pastor here, and I look forward to getting to know you. Um, but what we have with us today, or rather, not just what, but who, <laughs> who we have with us today is a special, special, <laughs> is a special, special guest. I made reference to him uh, last week, but um, Pastor Jim Critcher is um, a minister of God's gospel who's um, been ministering for decades now, um, not only in the States, but literally all over the world. Um, he's seen people come to Jesus. He's seen people raised up as disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus. He's actually been a prophetic minister who's actually helped to release the call of God on people's lives throughout the years. And today, uh, even as we were able to participate in a spiritual gifts training yesterday, he's here with us today to deliver a word that's going to both strengthen, encourage, and propel our church uh, to the next place. So if you could, please welcome him with the greatest love that you have in your hearts, Pastor Jim Critcher. Well, I have to say I have been introduced a lot of different ways over the years, but never as a what. <laughs> Usually at least there was, there was some human recognition in there, but... Um, all right. Well, I am definitely a, a, an upright, uh, hairless biped. All right. I am, uh, uh, nevertheless. My wife, Angie, my wife of 42 years, is here this morning. Wave. There we go. And um, uh, besides her putting up with me for that period of time, yes, she probably is angelic. She just has her wings tucked in this morning. Uh, we have two grown children and four perfect grandchildren. And someone said that not killing your children, grandchildren are the reward for not killing them. And it's true. And so we have four perfect grandchildren in ages from 2 to 11. And it is uh, it's just such a delight to be here. Pastor, Pastor Rollin and B, we go way back. I mean, we have stories. Um, we're from North Carolina. Love this couple. I remember them before they were married. And they still got married. All right. <laughs> So, hallelujah. Turn in your Bible this morning, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, those of you that are still using paper Bibles, congratulations. Um, Ecclesiastes is right after the book of Proverbs, written by King Solomon. I want to speak a message to you this morning that hopefully will be a word in season. We can hear messages teachings, sermons, etc., and so forth, and they have a timeliness about, or they have a timelessness about them, rather, that it just applies to any moment in our lives. But there are these other words that really are words given to us for the moment in which we find ourselves and the moment in which we live. And my hope for you this morning is you would hear this word well and hear this word as a word in season for your life. Having been on this planet longer than most of you, um, I can say that coming into this new decade has to be one of the most turbulent I can remember, quite frankly. I mean, globally, geopolitically, we, we came into this year with an, an impeachment process going on here in our nation. And if that wasn't enough, now we have the coronavirus that got everybody completely freaked out. Um, I was a little bit surprised. We still do meet and greet in our churches anymore. All right. But we see the, 
We, we, we see what's happening around the world right now, the saber rattling from country to country. And then even ecclesiastically, one of the, the major denominations of the faith getting ready to head off in two directions because of doctrinal and cultural issues of which they cannot agree. And then personally, I've heard of so many folks that are in unusual crisis in this particular moment in their life. My wife and I were uh, disciple a number of people and with one of the young ladies that we disciple call us the first of the year and say, well, beginning of my year started with being pink slipped. You know, I've been laid off my job and she was in HR and she had no clue that honestly that it was coming. And so we look around, whether it's around the world, whether it's in the church, whether it's in our own personal lives, and we see many times, we see, we see a, lot of, a lot of stuff going on right now that's rattling us a bit. And yet, we find this admonition written by a really smart guy in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Let's look at this together. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. And whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well let's pray lord help us this morning hear well lord we have to be anointed by your spirit to hear spiritually not just naturally but god in as much as we need to be anointed to hear well we need to be anointed god to heed well as well god because we can't do it on our own you have to do it in us and through us. So Holy Spirit, we fall on you today. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message, Out is the New In. Out is the New In. I really believe that there is an out-of-season anointing that God wants to bring to the church and to those of us who are known as the church. And I want to talk about where I believe God is going to take what is seeming opposition and turn it into opportunity. You cannot pick up any media today and, some, and there's not some other negative report about the effects of the coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's freaking everybody out. I mean, try to buy toilet paper these days. Try to buy hand sanitizer. I mean, it's like... 200 bucks a gallon now, if you can even buy it. I mean, it's nuts. Italy, I don't know if you saw this recently, but Italy has basically shut down a good chunk of its nation. And yet everybody is kind of on edge a little bit, whether, the, whether it's the financial markets that are swinging all over the place or whether it's whether or not you should shake hands with somebody or wear a face mask or boil yourself or whatever, I don't know. But the reality is there's a lot of fear in the culture today. And how many of you know, though, that God, he is the ultimate recycler and he uses everything. 
and the opportunities to translate that fear into an opportunity to share this gospel. An opportunity to translate in our own lives fear to faith. Let me just tell you, it's one of the greatest opportunities I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I want to talk about three simple things this morning. I want to talk about seasons. I want to talk about how we see. And I want to talk about sowing. Sowing. First, I believe that God is going to suspend or supersede the seasons in which we are finding ourselves naturally and place us into spiritual seasons. Now, I don't know about you, but in my walk with God, my challenge is not so much can God do something. It's not will God do it. My issue is always, come on, when will he do it? Isn't that the challenge? I mean, come on, young parents. You tell your child, this summer, we're going to the beach. All right? There's snow on the ground. It's February. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to go find their bathing suit. Because they have no sense of what? Time. And you tell them, it'll be a few months. Okay, is that now? I mean, they just don't have a clue. Well, similarly, God has a different calendar than you and I operate from. As a matter of fact, the words are, we live in chronos time. In other words, linear. It starts here, it ends here. We look at our watches, we look at our calendars, we calendar events. We understand that. It's neat. But God operates in a completely different system. He has, he's not impressed by the turning of a calendar, or he's not impressed by what we think is too short or too long, because God is always thinking in the eternal. And this eye blink of a thing that we call life, let me just tell you, for God it's just like, it's, just, it's, it's, it's nothing in terms of timing. His kairos time. That God is operating on where past and present and future are all kind of out there in the same realm at the same time. And the challenge for you and for me, being human, frail, weak, tied to chronos, linear time, is to find an alignment between God's timing and our timing. We believe in God's perfection and his plans for our life. We may not know anything else in the Bible, but we know Jeremiah 29, 11, they're good plans. Hallelujah. I know that one, and then the other one is Jesus wept. Okay, they're only on two Bible verses I can remember. But we got those down. So we don't have a problem with the plans of God, but we do have a problem with the timing of God, do we not? Daniel chapter 2 says that he, meaning God, changes times and seasons. So for you and I, then, the challenge is understanding what are the times and seasons in which God has placed us. First Chronicles 12 speaks about the men of Issachar. It says who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Jesus, in speaking, said, rebuke those that were within listening distance. He says, you cannot, you, you can figure out what the weather is going to do, but you have no idea whatsoever, no understanding of the times and seasons in which you live. 
And this understanding, once again, is a spiritual, not a natural understanding. And I believe that God's bringing us into a moment of both contraction and escalation. My wife and I live in the Washington, D.C. area, and I have a number of friends and people within our church that are in the tech industry. They support the government. And one particular good friend of mine is speaking about what 5G really is going to mean. Now, some of you may be in a similar industry. But that 5G is the game changer because it ushers in the Internet of Things. That now where we, we can go to our mobile devices and what used to have to be a connected phenomenon to get the kind of download speed that was necessary, now everyone's going to be carrying it in their hands. Surgeons in India can now operate on somebody in Chicago with no latency whatsoever because of the speed by which data is going to be able to move. Forbes, in an article even a few months ago, said... Our world is going to change more in the next 20 years than in the past 300. That's saying quite a bit. And then Forbes added this one little phrase, and it could be heaven or it could be hell. Hmm, interesting. But I believe even as there's a 5G coming that, quote, is going to revolutionize technology, information, I believe there's a 5G that God's bringing into the spirit realm as well. And where, whereby certain things have been delayed, certain things seemingly have taken so long, we're going to see an escalation begin to happen around our lives. How many of you have felt like your life has been in some sense of delay? Certain things that God has promised you, certain things that that you have been holding on into this Bible, but for some reason you felt like those promises that it were so real when they were spoken to you, for some reason they've been held back. I want to just tell you this morning, I believe you're getting ready to enter into one of the greatest seasons of escalation you've ever known. Some of you could get happy about that, by the way. Along with this, I believe that God's going to increase the rate of conception and gestation. And by conception, I mean that God is wanting to implant some new things in some of us. New dreams, new ideas, new promises. I believe even there's a promise of natural wombs as well that have been closed. I want to just declare to you this morning, I believe God is going to supernaturally open. And for those of you who are already pregnant with the purposes of God, those promises you've been hanging on to, I believe there's a gestation that's going to begin to decrease. I mean, we know in human gestation is a 40-week process. Anything dramatically different than that 40 weeks is called premature. And it brings danger primarily to that which is being birthed. But yet we find a promise in Isaiah 66. God says, do I not bring, do I bring to the moment of birth and not bring delivery? And I want to say to you, some of you are about to deliver some things. But your gestation period is going to begin to contract as well. Things moving quicker. Amos chapter 9. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. 
That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> That's just one of these scriptures you read, and it's just like, huh? A little bit like, you know, knowing God's love that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? But we'll move on. But this is one where all of a sudden, you know, the dude, you know, who's supposed to be reaping and the guy supposed to be planting or plowing, and all of a sudden now it's all confused. What does it speak to? It speaks to something divine, supernatural, that God is doing something that's going to supersede that which we've ever seen before. And yet, he's going to do it in the midst of opposition. Listen to me, saints. God always does in spite of, not because of. I want you to hear that. Whether it's waiting for a corpse to decompose with Lazarus before he showed up. To be absolutely sure, there was no question, oh, the dude was sleeping. No, 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 no. He smelleth. God always does in spite of your life and my life. All that, I'm, I'm all that. That's why. No. Anything God does in and through your life is always going to be in spite of you, not because of you. Always need to remember that. Because at the end of the day, it's about God getting the credit and God getting the glory, not us. And yet, in the opposition, the ordinary and ideal conditions are not going to readily present themselves. You can tell from this carefully honed accent, I've spent most of my life in North Carolina, not Washington, D.C. And I used to spend time on the coast of North Carolina, my Grandfather was a fisherman. My dad fished a little bit. And before I got married and had children, I fished too. So I, I know the coast of North Carolina. Used to go down there and fish. And one thing I know about fish and fishing in that part of the world is that fish generally allow themselves to be caught when the conditions are the most miserable for the people catching them. Which means it's usually in November or December. And you're out on the point called a Cape Hatteras. And if you look at the map, you'll see this thing that kind of sticks way out there. And so you're, stand, you're out there on Cape Hatteras, end up to your waist with waders on. It's br brutally cold out there. That's when the fish say, okay, I'll be caught now. But you have nice conditions for humans. Fish say, nah, not going to happen. So last summer, we were down on the coast of North Carolina with with. Our, our extended family of grandchildren were there. And my oldest grandchild is named Ethan. Ethan will be 11 this year. And Ethan is one of these strange children that just has the favor of God on his life. I mean, he walks into stores and people just, oh, let me give you something. <laughs> I mean, if you ever want a cookie, hang out with Ethan. Because he's going to get food. Somebody's going to feed him. He's just, just the favor is on him. It's amazing. Teachers love, everybody loves Ethan. And so he, he wanted to go fishing. And so we were staying in this cottage and right across, the, right across the road was the sound. Now, it was beautiful. It was June. It was a warm day. And there was this little pier and there was about three or four feet of water. Tide was out. So there, were no, there was nothing down there except the occasional crab and, of course, the eels, which his dad was catching, all right? And running away like a little girl. Ooh. 
And so Ethan, with his $12 rod and reel, now anybody that fishes here knows, first of all, the indignity of that. Because men like gear. Are you with me so far? So he takes his $12 rod and reel, throws it out there, bam! I mean, it, it wasn't in the water 10 seconds. And I thought, okay, I mean, bent over, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And it's just like, well, certainly he's, you know, he's caught a turtle or he's hung up on a log. And, and so, you know, he hands it to me. And sure enough, we need a bigger boat. I mean, nobody's seen Jaws in here. Okay. And so we reel, he reels this thing in and there's this gorgeous fish. I mean, I've never seen, I had to go, go to the intrawebs and figure out what it was. I've been fishing down there my entire life and I've never caught one of these. It was a puppy drum. It was the wrong time of year to catch this fish. We was fishing in three feet of water. I'm not even convinced he had any bait on the hook. <laughs> but this is Ethan. And he's thinking, this is how it works. This is fun. <laughs> so he throws it back. And I'm thinking, this is, a, this is an anomaly right here. He throws it out there, does it a second time. And yes, he did it a third time. The most gorgeous puppy drum you've ever seen in your entire life. I mean, they were probably four or five pounds apiece. They were ridiculous. In three feet of water, in June, every condition wrong for catching fish, and he's catching fish. Wow. The disciples had fished all night. They knew what they were doing. My wife and I just got back from Israel about a month ago. We, we, we were on the Sea of Galilee. It's really a lake, but that's okay. And, but they knew what they were doing. They'd fished nothing. And then this guy Jesus said, if you'll put back out, I mean, and they're cleaning their nets. Because you have to, I mean, this is a very elaborate process of what it takes to have to fold these nets and clean these nets because this is one of the biggest investments a fisherman has. He said, if you'll go back out and throw on the opposite side of the boat, you'll, have, you'll, you'll catch some fish. Now, can you imagine? I mean, here a professional fisherman, and here's this guy kind of propped up. Can you imagine coming back in? He's kind of like, yeah, well, you know what? If you boys would, you boys would put back out up there, and he's just like, seriously, dude, who in the, who in the heck do you think you are? But it's amazing. One of the disciples said, because you said so, we'll do it. And that's exactly what they did. Now, the sun's coming up. It's warming up. Fish are going down deep. These guys are trawling shallow. I mean, it's not supposed to happen. And what happened? The catch of their lifetime. But all of the conditions were wrong. Everything in the natural was off. And yet, Jesus said, if you'll do it this way, you'll catch fish. Let me just tell you, God is really looking to see whether or not we will be in season and, and out of season believers. Will we be obedient when nothing looks right, nothing's lining up? I got to tell you, and this is not about money. 
But many times we, we see certain things and is we, we, look at, we look at the amount of month and the amount of paycheck and we look at all these things and it's just like, okay, I can't, can't do it, cannot give this month, can't tie this month. Oh, I tried that for a while. I hate to admit it. I decided I would just try me a little tithing exercise a few decades ago. I mean, it was just like, okay, God, you know, I just, you don't need the money. I mean, it's, I just stopped tithing. That's an idiot move, by the way. I'm not recommending it. And so first month, everything was fine. Second, third, it's just like, hey, God's cut me a special deal. By month number six, let me just tell you, the deal fell apart, to say the least. So did our finances. Because I didn't think I could afford it. Are you with me? All the natural conditions for giving were wrong. But that's not how God encourages us to give and to sow. This is not about money, though. This is about any place of obedience that God has called us to in this particular moment. Out of season. Jesus walked by this fig bush. And it wasn't the season for figs. Now, if you remember the story, he went up to the tree, found it had no fruit. Anybody remember this story? And it says he did what? He cursed the fig tree. I mean, cursed it to the point it died at the roots. Now, I've read that story many times, and I'm thinking, that was a raw deal for a fig tree. I mean, this is God walking up to something he created. He understood that the natural cycle of this fig tree was three crop, more or less three crops of figs a year. And yet the particular moment that he walked up to this fig tree wasn't one of those three seasons. And yet he cursed that tree of his own design. Why? Because there's something about the proximity of God that when Jesus walked up to that fig tree, that fig tree was literally supposed to supersede everything that in its own natural DNA. And when Jesus walked up, fruit was supposed to appear. Do you realize in your life, in my life, there's this thing called, things called the fruit of the Spirit that's produced because of the proximity of God who's on the inside of you and I. And you know what make, you know the demand on that? Is that the fruit is supposed to be there, what? All the time. Why? Because of the presence of God in our life all the time. Ezekiel, the 47th chapter. There's a river, it says that it flows from the temple. From the altar, from the temple, it said it flows out. It keeps going till finally it becomes this raging river. And as it kept going, it got deeper, not more shallow. But it says at the end of the passage in Ezekiel 47 that on each side, on the banks of that river, there were trees. And these were very unusual trees. It says these trees bore fruit every month of the year. And the Bible says, because the river from the throne flowed to them. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus said, out of your innermost parts will flow rivers of living water. 
That same river that Ezekiel spoke of is the same river that is supposed to flow in and through our lives. And because that river is there, guess what? We get to bear fruit 12 months a year. Regardless of coronavirus, regardless of what's going on in the workplace, regardless of how your emotions or how your body feels, God says, because I am there, my presence, my proximity, the river of my person flowing in and through your life, 12 months a year, we can bear fruit. And it may be out of season in the natural, but listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, it's in season with God. Amen? The second thing is how we see. If we understand then that God is going to supersede certain seasons, then we've got to begin to see things differently. We've, begun, we, we've, we've got to ask God, God the same way in Romans 12 it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds that even as God gives us his thoughts, he renews our mind that he does something to our eyes as well. That we can begin to see that which God is seeing. We must move from natural perception to spiritual seeing. Second Kings, the third chapter, there's a story there about three kings that come into an alliance. Two of the kings are unrighteous kings. One is the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. And they're going down to collect some taxes. And they come into an alliance and they say, well, we, we want to attack Moab, and yet what we need is the, we need the element of surprise. And so let's cut through the desert to get there. Now, the challenge with this strategy is running out of provision, specifically running out of water before you can get to your enemy. And sure enough, they're in the middle of the desert, and that's exactly what happens. It says there was no more water for the soldiers or their livestock. So here we are, stranded. Can't go back, no water. Can't go forward, no water. And one of the kings says, is there no prophet of the Lord here of which we can inquire? It's amazing that they didn't ask God's counsel before they came together and created this wonderful strategy. But once they get jammed up, they dial 911. So Jehoshaphat, because of his relationship with the prophet Elisha, he calls him. Elisha comes. And he begins to prophesy. Begins to give a word. And he starts out this way. He said, you will see neither wind nor rain. Now, as I've looked into this passage, in this part of the world, you could see weather coming. Again, having just been to that very spot, I mean, where it's wide open and there are mountains. The water always came from the same direction. Clouds always came. So you knew there's rain coming from over here. But prerequisite to this prophetic promise, he said, you will see in the natural neither wind nor rain. Yet, this valley will be full of water. Amazing. Make this valley full of ditches. And sure enough, it says, about the time of the morning sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom. 
Let me tell you. God is asking us in this moment, are you willing to supersede your natural understanding, your natural hearing, your natural sight, and everything that you pick up and you read and you begin to partake of, everything seems counter. I mean, what do we do, for instance? I mean, when things get fearful, what are they telling people to do now? Stay home. Don't be in fellowship. I mean, they're trying to terrify, the, you know, the entire globe. All right? And here we are. God is saying, you might see neither wind nor rain. There may not be any natural encouragement whatsoever. But what he said, make this valley full of ditches. Where do you need to dig? Where do you need to make preparation for God to freshly flow in and through your life? The reality is, these ditches were really wadis. And wadis were a place that you, and you, can, you can see them out in the desert. Where there, and you'll see an occasional tree in it. There are these, really these depressions where at one time water flowed through them. And so what he was saying is, I want you to clear out where there once was water. So now water can flow through it again. Begs a question for you and for me. Where has the water stopped flowing in your life? What have you put in its place? Where has it stopped up? Because that's probably the very place that God is saying, I want you to dig right here. And saints, that's never an easy thing. It's never an easy thing. The Bible goes on and it says, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sin nature. It goes on in Galatians 5 and says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God is wanting to change how we walk, how we respond, how we see from the natural to the spiritual. Yesterday, I had the opportunity of doing a little teaching with some folk, and I made the statement that lordship is not possible without the enabling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul wrote in Romans 7, everything I don't want to do, I'm doing. Everything I should do, I don't. You ever feel that way about yourself? I mean, and this is not Paul, the early convert, Saul the Paul. I mean, this is Paul coming to the end of his days. This is the book of Romans. This is his magnum opus theologically. And he's still struggling with self because he understands the limitations of the natural man and what has to happen, what the Holy Spirit has to do through us. And our sanctification, what does that big word mean? It means being less like you and more like Jesus. By the way, <laughs> when you signed up, you just didn't sign up to get out of hell and get to heaven. You signed up for a life of sanctification, which meant God's going to be messing with you as long as you're here. <laughs> and you signed on for that. But it means that God's got to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? And lastly... Back to our Ecclesiastes passage. Sow your seed in the morning. Genesis chapter 26. Man named Isaac. Once again, we're finding a famine in the land. It says, Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, 
And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't leave. Don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. Wow. We live in the Washington, D.C. area. And everybody moves there in order to move out of there. They can't wait to live, leave, because they ain't living much, let me tell you. I mean, housing is ridiculously expensive. Traffic is some of the worst in the nation. I mean, D.C., I mean, the, D, the district itself, I mean, governmentally, is just a disaster. I won't even talk about the federal part. But you've got people that they want some Washington, D.C. on their CV. But people don't come to that part of the world to stay. They come for a moment and they leave. My wife and I were called literally by God in 2003 to move there and stay there. And we've been there since, we've been there 17 years now. So we're, we kind of have the, the wrong, wrong commute, so to speak. We're staying. I was talking to Pastor Rollin about Chicago. I was asking him, I said, what's, what's one of the most challenging aspects of pastoring here in this city? He said, everybody's moving on. It's very transitory. I mean, half a million students, yeah, people are coming and going, I got that. But yet, even in the midst of a famine, God is saying to Isaac, stay here. I got something for you. Let me just ask you. Many times it's always easier to move off to the next thing. But yet, might God be calling some of you not to head off because it looks like a famine where you are. Might God be calling you to sow right where you are. To drop your roots down in the place that you don't think there's anything good here. Interesting. And so we find Isaac heading off to the feed store. And he's going in there, I need some, I need some seed. He meant it, can't you imagine that Pastor Rollin and I from North Carolina? You got to understand these guys. They're sitting up behind the counter. What you need there, boy? I'm going to plant a crop. You going to what? Yeah, I, I, I need some seed. You going to plant what? Son, have you looked outside? Do you, have a, do you even know what the farmer's almanac is? Have you looked at the weather? There's no rain, boy. It's a drought out there. You're wasting your time. Just sell me some seed. <laughs> Can you imagine that Isaac bought his seed and walked out, and the boys at the feed store, they're sitting there like, idiot. Idiot. But what does it say? He said, Isaac planted crops in that land in the same year, reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. It goes on, it says, he became wealthy. Now, I've heard this passage of Scripture used so many times as an offering message, as a, an apologetic, if you wish, for wealth creation and management. But i got to tell you, Isaac's wealth was not the central theme of this passage. It was his obedience. The same way that those fishermen went back out in the midst of, wrong time of day, there are no fish to be had. But because you said so, I'll do it. Isaac, 
Rather than taking off like the rest of his friends and neighbors, he stayed in that place because God told him to stay. And he reaped a hundredfold in the very place where nobody else was reaping. Why? Because he was obedient to that which God spoke to him. In fearful times, what do we want to do? We want to hoard. We want to store. I got I, I, I to take care of me and mine. God is saying, son, I'll take care of you. I got this. I got this. Hosea 10, I'll close with this. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. What have I said this morning? There's an out-of-season anointing coming to your life. You say, Pastor Jim, I've heard messages like this before. You know, promise this and believe this. But I got to tell you, I'm just out of season. Congratulations. You're in exactly the place that God has you. The very place that you can't say, well, it was because of my great husbandry. It was because of my great faith. It was because, no, it wasn't. It was because God decided to supersede everything in the natural around your life to make himself known in the midst of your situation. Out of season. God wants us to see differently. Maybe we're not getting any natural encouragement whatsoever. Maybe we're not getting it from our employer. Maybe we're not getting it from, from the Dow. Maybe we're not getting it anywhere in the news. But God asked this question, whose report will you believe? God wants us to see beyond the temporal, the natural, to see into that which he has ordained for you and for me. And lastly, to sow. And not to sow when I get over there. Not to sow when I get my student loans paid for. That's, a, that's an eternal thing. <laughs> Not to wait for all the conditions to line up. But like Isaac, sowed in a time of famine. Maybe you feel like you're in a famine in your life right now. Good, sow. Watch what God does. Because that's the kind of God he is. Pastor Rollin, join me down here. Let me pray for you. Lord, once again, let us, let us hear well so we can heed well. Enable us, empower us by your Spirit. God, that we are not missing a season, but God, that you are divinely training us how to navigate in the moments in which we find ourselves. Because it's not accidental. Sovereign, divine. So that you might show yourself to be the God that you really are. God, let us see what you see. And God, let us not withhold anything of our affection, our worship, our gifts, our resources, whatever they might be. God, that we would take whatever we have and we would sow into this very moment, watching what you'll do with that obedience. God, thank you for being who you are. We love you.